to my hega podcast experience togetherness an exclusive podcast in geriatric medicine geriatric care geriatric health healthy aging and life's simple pleasures my hega discovered trusted senior living and care my hega was founded on the concept that senior living and senior care is something worth celebrating Hello and welcome back to my Higa Experience Togetherness podcast. Celebrate aging, senior living and care in every way through life's simple pleasures. Today we will be holding a discussion about depression in the elderly. Welcome Dr. Purnima. Hi Shruti. So nice to be back together for yet another episode. Yeah, it seems like a mental health month in our podcast. If we take care of it, then we can take care of our entire body very well mind and soul included clinical depression in older people is common that doesn't mean it's normal late life depression affects about 6 million americans ages 65 and older but only 10% get treatment what would you like to say about it yes very thoughtfully asked before we deep uh, deep dive into late life depression or geriatric depression or depression in the elderly let us look at some statistics of depression depression is a clinical symptom and a very common mental disorder as well i call it a disease as it affects the brain function significantly primarily and can wreak havoc secondarily in our bodies globally 5% of the adults you know suffer from depression 5.7% of the adults older than 60 years also suffer from depression so this percentage uh, is around 280 million people in the world this number is significant because most of them are going undetected untreated at any given age the united states is one of the most depressed countries in the world despite the capitalism economical opportunities and purchasing value of the common dollar that is uh, something worth noting in fact by age uh, 14 50% of mental illness begins or has begun and by 24 years almost 3 quarters of the mental illness would have begun that is really a staggering number given the growing population of our world so basically most mental illness can be traced back to childhood adolescence and early adulthood though we are talking about depression in the elderly today women outnumber men in experiencing any stages of depression be it mild moderate or severe incidentally the top 10 countries of the world with highest rates of depression are ukraine at 6.3% followed by usa at 5.9% with estonia and then australia brazil Greece, Portugal, Belarus, uh, or Belarus, uh, Finland, and Lithuania. The top ten lowest rates of depression can be found in descending order in these countries, and most of them are uh, islands. The Solomon Islands at two point nine percent, Papua New Guinea, uh, Timor Leste, Vanuatu, Kiribati, Tonga, Samoa, Laos, Nepal. the kingdom of nepal and the philippines uh, astonishingly so this does not mean these countries have less depression 
It could also mean that depression is infrequently diagnosed or understood as midlife crises or later life crises, and hence ignored for various reasons, including cultural values, heritage, traditional beliefs, and so on. An exclusive podcast in geriatric medicine, geriatric care, geriatric health, healthy aging, and life's simple pleasures. Mahiga, discover trusted senior living and care. Mahiga was founded on the concept that senior living and senior care is something worth celebrating. Hello, and welcome back to Mahiga Experience Togetherness podcast. Celebrate aging, senior living, and care in every way through life's simple pleasures. Today, we will be holding a discussion about depression in the elderly. Welcome, Dr. Purnima. Hi, Shruti. So nice to be back together for yet another episode. Yeah, it seems like a mental health month in our podcast. If we take care of it, then we can take care of our entire body very well, mind and soul included. Clinical depression in older people is common. That doesn't mean it's normal. Late life depression affects about 6 million Americans ages 65 and older. But only 10% get treatment. What would you like to say about it? Yes, very thoughtfully asked. Before we deep, uh, deep dive into late life depression or geriatric depression or depression in the elderly, let us look at some statistics of depression. Depression is a clinical symptom and a very common mental disorder as well. I call it a disease as it affects the brain function significantly, primarily, and can wreak havoc secondarily in our bodies. Globally, 5% of the adults, you know, suffer from depression. 5.7% of clinical depression is never normal, no matter the age. Elderly have the right to live their lives normally, wholesome, and in the best way possible. Clinical depression in the elderly globally is at 13.3%. The prevalence, you know, of um, major depression in our elderly women is at 11.9%. That is a lot. And that of major depression in the elderly is at 9.7%. Now, this rise in rates from less than 1% to 5% is mostly seen in home healthcare patients since they are being followed closely by trained clinicians and around 11.5% in older hospitalized patients. Very interesting indeed, since healthcare for all would have meant a significant increase in diagnosis, treatment, and monitoring. Lack of basic healthcare infrastructure or primary healthcare is one of the greatest public health concerns of our times, unfortunately. Saying so, depression or feeling depressed is not a normal part of aging. And I would like to repeat this, depression or feeling depressed is not a normal part of aging, as is dementia or cognitive impairment. That is also not a normal part of aging. Most aged are happy with their lives 
though they are not completely disease-free. Late-life depression affects 6 million adults, 65 and older in the USA, and I completely agree. Unfortunately, only 10% get the treatment. As I mentioned, one of the issues is lack of access to good quality healthcare and lack of diagnosis on time by clinicians or healthcare professionals. Yes, it's one of the major reasons I have witnessed this time and time again during my geriatric medicine specialty practice. And I believe time constraints, patients being viewed as cattle drive, the urgency of quick appointments, lack of continuity with the same physician, reimbursement issues, coverage of testing and screening by insurance companies, and medications under health insurance plans, family unawareness, the adults older than 60 years also suffer from depression. So this percentage uh, is around 280 million people in the world. This number is significant because most of them are going undetected, untreated at any given age. The United States is one of the most depressed countries in the world, despite the capitalism, economical opportunities, and purchasing value of the common dollar. That is uh, something worth noting. In fact, by age uh, 14, 50% of mental illness begins or has begun. And by 24 years, almost three quarters of the mental illness would have begun. That is really a staggering number given the growing population of our world. So basically, most mental illness can be traced back to childhood, adolescence, and early adulthood. Though we are talking about depression in the elderly today, women outnumber men in experiencing any stages of depression, be it mild, moderate, or severe. Incidentally, the top 10 countries of the world with highest rates of depression are Ukraine at 6.3%, followed by USA at 5.9%, with Estonia and then Australia, Brazil, Greece, Portugal, Belarus, uh, or Belarus, uh, Finland, and Lithuania. The top 10 lowest rates of depression can be found in descending order in these countries, and most of them are uh, islands. The Solomon Islands at 2.9%, Papua New Guinea, uh, Timor-Leste, Vanuatu, Kiribati, Tonga, Samoa, Laos, Nepal, the Kingdom of Nepal, and the Philippines, uh, astonishingly. So this does not mean these countries have less depression. It could also mean that depression is infrequently diagnosed or understood as midlife crises or later life crises, and hence ignored for various reasons, including cultural values, heritage, traditional beliefs, and so on. Because, you know, an illiteracy about depression, cultural norms and bondages, fear of social stigma, peer pressure, ignorance due to personal beliefs, underlying chronic medical diseases and conditions, repeat hospitalizations, and confusion of depression as delirium or dementia. And I'm going to repeat this. Confusion of depression as delirium or dementia. And vice versa, in any combination, power and control leading to camouflaging, especially in some, confusion and invaluable second opinions, 
family opinions, and many, many more. So in fact, we just had an episode on abuse in the elderly, or elderly abuse. And underlying depression is rampant in the abused and the abuser. Personality disorders can prevent people from recognizing there is underlying geriatric depression, and so they do not seek care on time. Scenarios like post-stroke depression, depression coexisting with dementia, are often overlooked, and so are with diabetes, heart disease, lung disease, liver disease, and kidney disease. A system that is untrained to recognize is also blind to the possibilities of diagnosis, treatment, and cozy living our elderly need. How does depression in older people differ from depression in younger adults? Depression in older people can mimic those in younger at times. Great question though, but for most part are quite different because of the presentation, the late onset, the repeat onset, aging, etc. They may include symptoms that could be behavioral, could be physically related, cognitive, mental, psychosocial, and in many other ways as well. Usually elderly never reveal they are depressed. It's commonly diagnosed at an encounter with a physician or a clinician, or when a family member brings them up to the doctor saying that somebody is having some symptoms, can you please take a look at the, uh, their family member? Anxiety is one of the clinical depression is never normal, no matter the age. Elderly have the right to live their lives normally, wholesome, and in the best way possible. Clinical depression in the elderly globally is at 13.3%. The prevalence, you know, of um, major depression in our elderly women is at 11.9%. That is a lot. And that of major depression in the elderly is at 9.7%. Now, this rise in rates from less than 1% to 5% is mostly seen in home health care patients since they are being followed closely by trained clinicians and around 11.5% in older hospitalized patients. Very interesting indeed, since healthcare for all would have meant a significant increase in diagnosis, treatment, and monitoring. Lack of basic healthcare infrastructure or primary health care is one of the greatest public health concerns of our times, unfortunately. Saying so, depression or feeling depressed is not a normal part of aging. And I would like to repeat this, depression or feeling depressed is not a normal part of aging, as is dementia or cognitive impairment. That is also not a normal part of aging. Most aged are happy with their lives, though they are not completely disease-free. Late-life depression affects 6 million adults, 65 and older in the USA, and I completely agree. Unfortunately, only 10% get the treatment. As I mentioned, one of the issues is lack of access to good quality healthcare and lack of diagnosis on time by clinicians or healthcare professionals. Yes, it's one of the major reasons I have witnessed this time and time again during my geriatric medicine specialty practice. And I believe time constraints, patients being viewed as cattle drive, the urgency of quick appointments, lack of, lack of continuity with the same physician, reimbursement issues, coverage of testing and screening by insurance companies and medications under health insurance plans, 
family unawareness symptoms that commonly affect the elderly most cannot understand why they feel the way they feel and depression in late life can coexist with anxiety as well so i have seen uh, anxiety and depression manifest together along with dementia and that makes it even more harder to diagnose and treat older adults start isolating themselves more often than younger adults they spend more time alone and this is a real problem because lack of social stimuli now creates a cycle of progressive depression and hence other symptoms might start manifesting without seeking help on time the elderly can progress to a state called pseudo dementia forgetfulness secondary to underlying depression rather than true cognitive impairment the accompanying chronic comorbidities like stroke heart disease cancer renal and hepatic issues vascular issues like stroke medications infections and physical inabilities can be some of the reasons as well hence the depression in later life usually go untreated and hence can be present for a longer time until the time of diagnosis so the onset to diagnosis is pretty variable in fact heart disease and depression studies show a connection in the mortality patterns in our aged depression can also lead to lack of compliance with healthcare taking medications on time staying isolated not visiting the doctors and hence an earlier mortality than expected hence the protocol to use screening tools with each preoperative postoperative chronic disease diagnosis should be mandatory one of the best tools to use is the geriatric depression scale or gds a 30 point questionnaire there's also a shorter version all depression is treatable if diagnosed in a timely manner hence thinking of elderly as futile care is nonsensical and should not be the gold standard i have so many scenarios i could share with you tonight where after i had diagnosed and treated the elderly the patient seemed to be a completely different person i still recall an elderly about 10 years ago who was anxious and when she came to me with her daughter i found out that she was being over medicated and the medications were the trigger for her anxiety now this anxiety was also due to her underlying depression and she had been misdiagnosed as having dementia instead of depression from her previous physician a simple geriatric depression scale coupled with a great comprehensive geriatric examination and an extra time spent in history taking revealed her condition uh, leading us to clean up her medication list and it was unbelievable how much she improved over the following weeks and years a great daughter and mother duo and i'm so thankful for them to this very day for the opportunity they gave me and um i was one of her favorite doctors and she was one of my favorites as well if the depression in the elderly becomes chronic then the complications are increased onset of late life depression has also been linked to alzheimer's disease though both may coexist at any given time in that spectrum of depression Suicidal rates are highest amongst older adult men or older geriatric men elderly men and more significantly amongst those who suffer from geriatric depression such thoughts are more common amongst elderly who are disabled and confined to nursing homes and especially people who are more than 85 years of age
Depression in the elderly can affect, affect the eating habits. And I have seen people who have become, you know, obese or lost significant weight to the point of being classified as geriatric failure to thrive. This condition is also called geriatric anorexia. We will uh, be looking at this in the future episode. Poor vision, hearing impairment can also contribute to worsening depression in the elderly. Do you know how frustrating it is when you cannot smell, you cannot taste, you cannot hear, nor can you see well? In fact, the sense of loss of control, simple pleasures, and negative emotions that stem from the, you know, this, you know, an illiteracy about depression, cultural norms and bondages, fear of social stigma, peer pressure, ignorance due to personal beliefs, underlying chronic medical diseases and conditions, repeat hospitalizations, and confusion of depression as delirium or dementia. And I'm going to repeat this, confusion of depression as delirium or dementia and vice versa in any combination power and control leading to camouflaging especially in some confusion and invaluable second opinions family opinions and many many more so in fact we just had an episode on abuse in the elderly or elderly abuse and underlying depression is rampant in the abused and the abuser Personality disorders can prevent people from recognizing there is underlying geriatric depression, and so they do not seek care on time. Scenarios like post-stroke depression, depression coexisting with dementia, are often overlooked, and so are with diabetes, heart disease, lung disease, liver disease, and kidney disease. A system that is untrained to recognize is also blind to the possibilities of diagnosis, treatment, and cozy living our elderly need. How does depression in older people differ from depression in younger adults? Depression in older people can mimic those in younger at times. Great question though, but for most part are quite different because of the presentation, the late onset, the repeat onset, aging, etc. They may include symptoms that could be behavioral, could be physically related, cognitive, mental, psychosocial, and in many other ways as well. Usually elderly never reveal they are depressed. It's commonly diagnosed at an encounter with a physician or a clinician, or when a family member brings them up to the doctor saying that somebody is having some symptoms, can you please take a look at the, uh, their family member? Anxiety is one of those things can complicate and cause or lead to depression. Elderly may develop low self-esteem, lack of confidence, leading to apathy and social withdrawal. I will want to um, tell the audience and listeners that apathy is one of the symptoms of Parkinson's disease. And apathy and depression are also clinical symptoms of pancreatic cancer. So patients with pancreatic cancer may actually present with depression and apathy as their very first symptom. So just a caution. Elderly may have nutritional deficiencies like folate with underlying depression. The reaction times and get up and go test can be delayed 
and depression in the elderly and driving is another issue which is now really really critical because it leads to loss of independence and um in that frustration you know people keep driving and that leads to increased hazards accidents etc depression also raises the risk of suicide what is your observation about it yeah um yes very sad indeed depression also raises the risk of suicide i agree um the stats portray a very grim picture unfortunately so elderly suicide rates are increasing though our aged are only 12% of the population currently the rates of suicide are at 18% though almost 8500 cases were noted in 2017 in older adults depression leads to despondency lack of social resources and timely help along with appropriate screening at regular intervals can be one of the reasons for this number depression raises the risk of suicide you know in multiple ways uh, like self isolation loneliness abandonment by family spouse partner society cognitive inabilities coexisting with the elderly non compliance with medications intake lack of financial resources to help with caregiving of the spouses or themselves chronic comorbid conditions like diabetes symptoms that commonly affect the elderly most cannot understand why they feel the way they feel and depression in late life can coexist with anxiety as well so i have seen uh, anxiety and depression manifest together along with dementia and that makes it even more harder to diagnose and treat older adults start isolating themselves more often than younger adults they spend more time alone and this is a real problem because lack of social stimuli now creates a cycle of progressive depression and hence other symptoms might start manifesting without seeking help on time the elderly can progress to a state called pseudo dementia forgetfulness secondary to underlying depression rather than true cognitive impairment the accompanying chronic comorbidities like stroke heart disease cancer renal and hepatic issues vascular issues like stroke medications infections and physical inabilities can be some of the reasons as well hence the depression in later life usually go untreated and hence can be present for a longer time until the time of diagnosis so the onset to diagnosis is pretty variable in fact heart disease and depression studies show a connection in the mortality patterns in our aged depression can also lead to lack of compliance with healthcare taking medications on time staying isolated not visiting the doctors and hence an earlier mortality than expected hence the protocol to use screening tools with each preoperative postoperative chronic disease diagnosis should be mandatory one of the best tools to use is the geriatric depression scale or gds a 30 point questionnaire there's also a shorter version all depression is treatable if diagnosed in a timely manner hence thinking of elderly as futile care is nonsensical and should not be the gold standard i have so many scenarios i could share with you tonight where after i had diagnosed and treated the elderly the patient seemed to be a complete frustration over um the work involved in caring for themselves because it is really hard 
to care for yourself when you have so many things going on in life with you. Along with chemical imbalance in the brain associated with the depression can also be some of the triggers. I also believe that medication sometimes do cause more harm than good and a thorough medication review of the elderly's medications at every visit is extremely important or essential. Grief over a loss, death of a spouse, long-term partner who they have had a relationship for decades, could be even you know children passing away earlier than them, could be a major trigger for this act you know, of suicide. In many cases, anxiety, feelings of hopelessness, worthlessness stem from this and can lead to further self-isolation and loneliness and uh, a vicious cycle. Physical inabilities like the activities of daily living, inactivities of daily living, as we first discussed, I believe, in one of our first of the podcast episodes, can affect one's identity and an elderly who once was used to playing tennis or golf, now confined to a wheelchair or bed, may find it hard to live yet another day. Lack of driver's license is one of the is also a loss of independency and can lead to this. Triggers for suicide. Chronic illnesses leading to some of the um, risk factors we just, uh, you know, just mentioned you here and the frustration of checking blood sugar levels daily or knowing their memory is waning can be very hurting to their morale. I would like to mention that warning signs of suicide can many times be found during a thorough mental assessment or geriatric assessment. This is why having a comprehensive exam at least once a year is important. Careful listening is critical. Listening skills are really important. That's why we call uh, listening as an art. And understanding some hidden expressions and words spoken can also give a clue. In fact, uh, most of the people who commit suicide would have told someone close to them a completely different person. I still recall an elderly about 10 years ago who was anxious and when she came to me with her daughter, I found out that she was being over-medicated and the medications were the trigger for her anxiety. Now, this anxiety was also due to her underlying depression. And she had been misdiagnosed as having dementia instead of depression from her previous physician. A simple geriatric depression scale coupled with a great comprehensive geriatric examination and an extra time spent in history taking revealed her condition uh, leading us to clean up her medication list, and it was unbelievable how much she improved over the following weeks and years. A great daughter and mother duo, and I'm so thankful for them to this very day for the opportunity they gave me. And um, I was one of her favorite doctors, and she was one of my favorites as well. If the depression in the elderly becomes chronic, then the complications are increased. Onset of late-life depression has also been linked to Alzheimer's disease, though both may coexist at any given time in that spectrum of depression. Suicidal rates are highest amongst older adult men or older geriatric men, elderly men, and more significantly amongst those who suffer from geriatric depression. Such thoughts are more common amongst elderly who are disabled and confined to nursing homes and especially people who are more than 85 years of age. Depression in the elderly can affect, affect the eating habits. And I have seen people who have become, you know, obese or lost significant weight 
to the point of being classified as geriatric failure to thrive. This condition is also called geriatric anorexia. We will uh, be looking at this in the future episode. Poor vision, hearing impairment can also contribute to worsening depression in the elderly. Do you know how frustrating it is when you cannot smell, you cannot taste, you cannot hear, nor can you see well? In fact, the sense of loss of control, simple pleasures, and negative emotions that stem from the, you know, within the past 30 days. And that is um, a real number, actually. Some of the things that one may encounter with the elderly at home or elsewhere with are loss of interest in activities they once used to enjoy so much, giving away personal items and changing their will, power of attorney, and so on, avoiding social activities, self-neglect that we just discussed, you know, recently, and you might be able to hear that episode. Um, exhibiting a preoccupation with death, ruminating obsessively about dying, lacking concern for personal safety, being rash, rash. I'm also going to briefly mention some of the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline out here um, that I found through research today. Ask, ask directly. Do not hesitate. You will not lose anything here by asking somebody directly. Be sure to listen, though, carefully, because every word, word matters, and most of them will leave a clue here. Be there for them. Uh, don't be judgmental. Keep them safe. Make sure they're very safe wherever you've met them. Call 1-800-273-8255. Help them connect with other people. Now, this suicidal health prevention line, phone lines will be different in different countries, so you might want to check on that. Follow-up is important. Follow-up, say hi to them, talk to them, or visit them. Insomnia related to depression in older adults. Yeah, great question. You know, insomnia is related to depression in older adults. There are many, many, many reasons for this, and some are so convincing, and some are confusing, actually. Here are some stats that I found while preparing for this podcast today. And I was also shocked. 44% of older adults with persistent insomnia continued to have depression six months later as compared to people without. And they may have a tenfold risk, higher risk of developing depression than people who got a good night's sleep. Among people with depression, 75% had trouble falling asleep. These things can complicate and cause or lead to depression. Elderly may develop low self-esteem, lack of confidence, leading to apathy and social withdrawal. I will want to um, tell the audience and listeners that apathy is one of the symptoms of Parkinson's disease. And apathy and depression are also clinical symptoms of pancreatic cancer. So patients with pancreatic cancer may actually present with depression and apathy as their very first symptom. So just a caution. Elderly may have nutritional deficiencies like folate with underlying depression. The reaction times and get up and go test can be delayed and depression in the elderly and driving is another issue, which is now really, really critical. 
because it leads to loss of independence. And um, in that frustration, you know, people keep driving and that leads to increased hazards, accidents, etc. Depression also raises the risk of suicide. What is your observation about it? Yeah, um, yes, very sad indeed. Depression also raises the risk of suicide. I agree. Um, the stats portray a very grim picture, unfortunately. So elderly suicide rates are increasing, though our aged are only 12% of the population currently. The rates of suicide are at 18%. though. Almost 8,500 cases were noted in 2017 in older adults. Depression leads to despondency, lack of social resources, and timely help along with appropriate screening at regular intervals can be one of the reasons for this number. Depression raises the risk of suicide, you know, in multiple ways, uh, like self-isolation, loneliness, abandonment by family, spouse, partner, society, cognitive inabilities, coexisting with the elderly, non-compliance with medications, intake, lack of financial resources to help with caregiving of the spouses or themselves, chronic comorbid conditions like diabetes, frustration over um, the work involved in caring for themselves, because it is really hard to care for yourself when you have so many things going on in life with you. Along with chemical imbalance in the brain associated with the depression can also be some of the triggers. I also believe that medications sometimes do cause more harm than good, and a thorough medication review of the elderly's medications at every visit is extremely important or essential. Grief over a loss, death of a spouse, long-term partner who they have had a relationship for decades, could be even you know children passing away earlier than them, could be a major trigger for this act you know, of suicide. In many cases, anxiety, feelings of hopelessness, worthlessness stem from this and can lead to further self-isolation and loneliness and uh, a vicious cycle. Physical inabilities like the activities of daily living, inactivities of daily living, as we first discussed, I believe in one of our first of the podcast episodes, can affect one's identity and an elderly who once was used to playing tennis or golf, now confined to a wheelchair or bed, may find it hard to live yet another day. Lack of driver's license is one of the, is also a loss of independency and can lead to this. Triggers for suicide. Chronic illnesses leading to some of the um, risk factors we just, uh, you know, just mentioned you here, and the frustration of checking blood sugar levels daily, or knowing their memory is waning, can be very hurting to their morale. I would like to mention that warning signs of suicide can many times be found during a thorough mental assessment or geriatric assessment. This is why having a comprehensive exam at least once a year is important. Careful listening is critical. Listening skills are really important. That's why we call uh, listening as an art. And understanding some hidden expressions and words spoken can also give a clue. In fact, uh, most of the people who commit suicide would have told someone close to them uh, within the past 30 days. And that is um, a real number, actually. Some of the things that one may encounter with the elderly at home or elsewhere with our loss of interest in activities they once used to enjoy so much, 
giving away personal items and changing their will, power of attorney and so on, avoiding social activities, self-neglect that we just discussed, you know, recently, and you might be able to hear that episode. Um, exhibiting a preoccupation with death, ruminating obsessively about dying, lacking concern for personal safety, being rash, rash. I'm also going to briefly mention some of the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline out here um, that I found through research today. Ask, ask directly. Do not hesitate. You will not lose anything here by asking somebody directly. Be sure to listen though carefully because every word, word matters and most of them will leave a clue here. Be there for them. Uh, don't be judgmental. Keep them safe. Make sure they're very safe wherever you've met them. Call 1-800-273-8255. Help them connect with other people. Now, this suicidal health prevention line, phone lines will be different in different countries, so you might want to check on that. Follow-up is important. Follow-up, say hi to them, talk to them, or visit them. Insomnia related to depression in older adults. Yeah, great question. You know, insomnia is related to depression in older adults. There are many, many, many reasons for this. And some are so convincing and some are confusing, actually. Here are some stats that I found while preparing for this podcast today. And I was also shocked. 44% of older adults with persistent insomnia continued to have depression six months later as compared to people without. And they may have a tenfold risk higher risk of developing depression than people who got a good night's sleep. Among people with depression, 75% had trouble falling asleep or staying asleep. Lack of proper sleep can be related to many factors like medications, pain, consumption of alcohol, drugs before going to bed, watching TV right through sleep time can also lead to this. We also need to understand the uh, factors like anxiety, depression, stress can also lead to insomnia and vice versa as well. Insomnia is usually difficulty falling asleep, trouble staying asleep, and or early waking or awakening. Now, sleep patterns do affect elderly. As elderly decline, they may be noticed to sleep long hours and at the end of the life, especially long hours. Treatment of insomnia can also alleviate depression and vice versa as well. Not all people with depression, however, though, have insomnia and not all insomniacs have depression. In fact, some of the depressed patients may present, uh, instead of uh, insomnia, they'll present as somnolent, means they'll be oversleepy or more sleepy. Insomnia can also be um, related to depression in many ways. Persistent and worsening insomnia may be able to tell whether this person was or will be likely having persistent depression. So people with insomnia have a tenfold higher risk of also developing depression. That's a lot. So sleep with a week cycle health is very important. And sleep health is a public health concern since it affects all ages and especially our aged population. Lying in bed, confused, stressed, 
and waking up early and being irritable are some of the reasons why good night's sleep is essential. What are the risk factors for depression in older adults? What treatments are available for depression in older adults? Yeah, good question. Um, risk factors for depression in older adults can be due to underlying medical conditions like heart disease, stroke, cancer, like pancreatic cancer I mentioned earlier, um, diabetes, dementia, post-operative state surgery from or staying asleep. Lack of proper sleep can be related to many factors like medications, pain, consumption of alcohol, drugs before going to bed, watching TV right through sleep time can also lead to this. We also need to understand the uh, factors like anxiety, depression, stress can also lead to insomnia and vice versa as well. Insomnia is usually difficulty falling asleep, trouble staying asleep, and our early waking or awakening. Now, sleep patterns do affect elderly. As elderly decline, they may be noticed to sleep long hours and at the end of the life, especially long hours. Treatment of insomnia can also alleviate depression and vice versa as well. Not all people with depression, however, though, have insomnia. And not all insomniacs have depression. In fact, some of the depressed patients may present, instead of insomnia, they'll present as somnolent. means they'll be oversleepy or more sleepy. Insomnia can also be um, related to depression in many ways. Persistent and worsening insomnia may be able to tell whether this person was or will be likely having persistent depression. So people with insomnia have a tenfold higher risk of also developing depression. That's a lot. So sleep a week cycle health is very important. And sleep health is a public health concern since it affects all ages and especially our aged population. Lying in bed, confused, stressed, and waking up early and being irritable are some of the reasons why good night's sleep is essential. What are the risk factors for depression in older adults? What treatments are available for depression in older adults? Yeah, good question. Um, risk factors for depression in older adults can be due to underlying medical conditions like heart disease, stroke, cancer, like pancreatic cancer, I mentioned earlier, um, diabetes, dementia, post-operative state surgery from maybe a hip fracture, maybe a cardiac bypass, something like that, post-hospitalization due to any reasons, including infections, post-surgery, they can also be in acute settings as well. Medications can also be a big risk factor or lack of medications, also a big risk factor. Genetic factors do play a role. People who have a family history of depression may be at high risk. Examples of such are bipolar disorders, especially uh, bipolar one presenting with mania and depression and anxiety disorders. Though not yet convincing, research is still being done. So I would not like to you know, take a guess here. So there are other factors like environmental factors, community factors, societal factors that trigger you know, these genetic issues too. Depression can also be associated with other conditions like panic disorder, anxiety disorder, generalized anxiety disorder, 
social phobias, body phobias, you know, body dysmorphic disorders, um, and other things. Stress can also play a significant role, including caregiver stress issues, usually due to beliefs, values, etc. Sleep is a big risk factor as well, along with social iso uh, isolation, loneliness, lack of exercise or physical activities, another issue. Some of the risk factors for geriatric depression include old age and some of the body changes that one has to undergo, conditions preventing an older adult to live like they were previously. Female sex is more prone than males. Having lost a partner or spouse or family or friend or even a pet sometimes, like a dog, cat, bird, you know, farm animals, could also lead to depression. Being single or alone, low education levels, a lack of, you know, health education regarding depression or exposure to it, use of many drugs, drug abuse, dementia or cognitive challenges, etc. And in uh, amongst the drugs, we can also classify alcohol also and um, maybe a hip fracture, maybe a cardiac bypass, something like that post-hospitalization due to any reasons, including infections, post-surgery, they can also be in acute settings as well. Medications can also be a big risk factor or lack of medications, also a big risk factor. Genetic factors do play a role. People who have a family history of depression may be at high risk. Examples of such are bipolar disorders, especially uh, bipolar one presenting with mania and depression and anxiety disorders. Though not yet convincing, research is still being done. So I would not like to you know, take a guess here. So there are other factors like environmental factors, community factors, societal factors that trigger you know, these genetic issues too. Depression can also be associated with other conditions like panic disorder, anxiety disorder, generalized anxiety disorder, social phobias, body phobias, you know, body dysmorphic disorders, um, and other things. Stress can also play a significant role, including caregiver stress issues, usually due to beliefs, values, etc. Sleep is a big risk factor as well, along with social iso uh, isolation, loneliness, lack of exercise or physical activities, another issue. Some of the risk factors for geriatric depression include old age and some of the body changes that one has to undergo, conditions preventing an older adult to live like they were previously. Female sex is more prone than males. Having lost a partner or spouse or family or friend or even a pet sometimes, like a dog, cat, bird, you know, farm animals, could also lead to depression. Being single or alone, low education levels, a lack of, you know, health education regarding depression or exposure to it, use of many drugs, drug abuse, dementia or cognitive challenges, etc. And in uh, amongst the drugs, we can also classify alcohol also. And um, family or past uh, personal history of depression itself can be a risk factor. Um, Caregiving is another big risk factor for depression. Caregiver crisis is a crisis. And uh, many times caregivers uh, end up with 
uh, being depressed earlier than the elderly and um, and also their morbidity and mortality mortality rates are also higher chronic diseases as i mentioned earlier during this podcast and the combination of those with any of the combinations that i just mentioned including medications poor family support is one of the biggest issues as well social support personality of the aged person and there are many more there are many treatments available for geriatric depression without going into any details uh, because this is a podcast for the general public here are some of them uh, they are called snri ssri atypical antidepressants tricyclics mao inhibitors and other medications key to note here is certain medications that we use to treat depression in the elderly can also have a dual benefit if used in proper dosing and setting like for example mirtazapine you know can help with depression and also can stimulate appetite and so on so it's a good combination for an elderly with uh, failure to thrive and depression uh cymbalta is another antidepressant you know used for depression and pain as well especially uh, neuropathic pain refractory depression or resistant depression can also be treated with other modalities of treatments sometimes combinations of treatments are used um sometimes uh, treatments are used as boosters um to get a heavily depressed person out of the depressive zone it will take a minimum of a couple of weeks for anyone on a medication to show a change usually about 2 to 3 weeks and then within a month to 6 weeks uh, a noticeable change can be seen a word of caution here is that elderly have chronic comorbid risk factors liver disease renal diseases underlying heart diseases and hence the dosing must be according to all those conditions so just wanted to give a heads up to all the listeners here how do anti depressants relieve depression in older people the antidepressants relieve depression in older people in many ways first by working in the chemical imbalance in the brains of the sufferers this is done by the drugs through inhibition or by stimulation both many of them regulate serotonin a chemical in our brains that controls the emotional well-being while they may be useful they may not always be effective even with younger adults so a trial and error method is kind of important and um but usually um uh we should wait for some time for the medications to kick in before the there's a change in the medication or a change in the dosage or something because elderly people uh, have slow metabolism rates and with underlying comorbid risk factors as i just mentioned it takes longer in the body for the drug to process and so the effects may take longer and also last longer so hence the side effects last longer in the elderly but underlying polypharmacy you know other medications that the elderly may take might also affect uh treatment of depression or interact with antidepressants so um you have to be careful about that um and so does alcohol and drug abuse and so on so uh antidepressants are great uh should be used in the right combination uh should be used in the right um dosage and uh a trial is better than nothing
Can psychotherapy uh, help relieve depression in older adults? Great question, Doshruti. Yes, it does help alleviate depression in the geriatric population, but usually it's a last resort due to refractory, uh, used in refractory depression, or the reasons on how and why they work are dependent on many other underlying risk factors. But one also has to understand about the ethical consequences of using this in a geriatric part. Family or past uh, personal history of depression itself can be a risk factor. Um, caregiving is another big risk factor for depression. Caregiver crisis is a crisis. And uh, many times caregivers uh, end up with uh, being depressed earlier than the elderly and um, and also their morbidity and mortality mortality rates are also higher. Chronic diseases, as I mentioned earlier during this podcast, and the combination of those with any of the combinations that I just mentioned, including medications. Poor family support is one of the biggest issues as well. Social support, personality of the aged person, and there are many more. There are many treatments available for geriatric depression without going into any details uh, because this is a podcast for the general public. Here are some of them. Uh, they are called SNRI, SSRI, atypical antidepressants, tricyclics, MAO inhibitors, and other medications. Key to note here is certain medications that we use to treat depression in the elderly can also have a dual benefit if used in proper dosing and setting. Like, for example, metazapine, you know, can help with depression and also can stimulate appetite and so on. So it's a good combination for an elderly with uh, failure to thrive and depression. Symbalta uh, is another antidepressant, you know, used for depression and pain as well, especially uh, neuropathic pain. Refractory depression or resistant depression can also be treated with other modalities of treatments. Sometimes combinations of treatments are used. Um, sometimes uh, treatments are used as boosters um, to get a heavily depressed person out of the depressive zone. It will take a minimum of a couple of weeks for anyone on a medication to show a change, usually about two to three weeks. And then within a month to six weeks, uh, a noticeable change can be seen. A word of caution here is that elderly have chronic comorbid risk factors liver disease, renal diseases, underlying heart disease, population, you know, about the quality of life and how long they'll be living and so on and so forth. So this is generally not the first choice. And a consent must be obtained from the power of attorney, the elderly themselves, if they're cognitively uh, normal uh, or, you know, a conservator. After a thorough consultation on psychotherapy, and maybe also get to see a geriatric psychiatrist as well. That might be important. For our listeners, if you or someone you know needs help, feel free to get in touch with us through our website. Thanks much, everyone. Our software platform, myhiga.com or www.myhiga.com uh, can be used by any senior living and care providers. Uh, you know, uh, if they need software, because the software will help them in many, many, many ways, small, 
medium, or large enterprises. We are also happy to help answer any questions you know you may have. We would love to connect and connect with you all and give us a call at 1-800-979-2237 or email us contact at myhiga.com. Contact, C-O-N-T-A-C-T at M-I-H-Y-G-G-E dot com. And uh, most of all, um, you know, uh, you can check out our website and um, also connect from there through social media as well. Thank you so much for talking about this topic and sharing so much information with me and the listeners. I am glad that we picked up this topic for today's episode. And to all our dear listeners, if you want us to discuss any of the topics or answer your questions, please get in touch with us on one of our social media platforms and we would certainly create an episode to address those. We thrive on challenging the status quo to make dreams come true for families and elderly. Our email is contact at myhiga.com. Looking forward to hearing from you in the form of questions, reviews and a lot more. Here's wishing all our listeners health, wealth and myhiga. We look forward to connecting once again with a new episode on Dementia 101. This space and hence the dosing must be according to all those conditions. So just wanted to give a heads up to all the listeners here. How do antidepressants relieve depression in older people? The antidepressants relieve depression in older people in many ways. First, by working in the chemical imbalance in the brains of the sufferers. This is done by the drugs through inhibition or by stimulation, both. Many of them regulate serotonin, a chemical in our brains that controls the emotional well-being. While they may be useful, they may not always be effective even with younger adults. So a trial and error method is kind of important. And, um, but usually um, uh, we should wait for some time for the medications to kick in before the, there's a change in the medication or a change in the dosage or something. Because elderly people uh, have slow metabolism rates and with underlying comorbid risk factors, as I just mentioned, it takes longer in the body for the drug to process. And so the effects may take longer and also last longer. So hence the side effects last longer in the elderly. But underlying polypharmacy, you know, other medications that the elderly may take might also affect uh, treatments of depression or interact with antidepressants. So um, you have to be careful about that. Um, and so does alcohol and drug abuse and so on. So uh, antidepressants are great, uh, should be used in the right combination. Uh, should be used in the right um, dosage. And uh, a trial is better than nothing. Can psychotherapy uh, help relieve depression in older adults? Great question, Doshruti. Yes, it does help alleviate depression in the geriatric population, but usually it's a last resort due to refractory, uh, used in refractory depression or the reasons on how and why they work are dependent on many other underlying risk factors. But one also has to understand about the ethical consequences of using this in a geriatric piling myths of dementia. 
Thank you all for listening. We are grateful you joined us in our pursuit to celebrate aging globally with MyHeka. You can explore our blogs. They are free to read and easily available on our website www.myheka.com. Sign up for our special newsletter. Discover senior living with MyHeka.